I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Story time. I am a park ranger at a sprawling national park, nestled deep in the heart of the wilderness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
darkness. The park is a beautiful and serene place, where the tranquility is only broken by the rustling of leaves and the occasional call of the wild. But something dark and malevolent lurks within the woods, something that has remained hidden for far too long. One night, as I was on patrol, I heard a strange, guttural noise coming from the heart of the deep woods. Curiosity peaked, I decided to investigate. But what I encountered was beyond anything I could have imagined. As I ventured deeper into the woods, I came face to face with a massive, unknown predator. Its eyes glinted with a malevolent hunger, and its fur was matted and twisted, as if it had crawled out from the depths of the underworld. It was unlike any animal I had ever seen before, with sharp claws and a massive, muscular frame that dwarfed my own. Before I could even reach for my radio, the creature attacked. It lunged at me with lightning speed, its claws tearing through my uniform and leaving deep, bloody gashes in my flesh. I fought with all my might, using every ounce of my strength and training to fend off the creature, but it was like fighting against an unstoppable force. As I struggled for survival, I began to realize that what I had encountered was far more than just a wild animal. It was a dark, malevolent force, something beyond my understanding, that had been lurking in the heart of the park for far too long. And even now, as I look back on that fateful night, I can't help but shiver with a mix of fear and excitement, knowing that the dark predator still lurks within the deep woods. Despite my injuries, I managed to escape the clutches of the unknown predator and make my way back to the ranger station. I was shaken, my mind racing with questions about what kind of creature I had encountered. But when I tried to report the incident to my fellow rangers, they dismissed my story as the result of an overactive imagination or a hallucination caused by exhaustion. No one believed me, and the thought of being branded as a lunatic haunted me for weeks to come. Determined to find answers, I began to investigate on my own. I spoke with locals and researched the park's history, and what I discovered sent shivers down my spine. The National Park had a long and bloody history, filled with tales of supernatural sightings and unexplained phenomena. People had reported seeing strange lights and hearing disembodied voices, and rumors swirled about dark creatures that prowled the woods. As I dug deeper, I came across an old legend that spoke of a dark entity that had lived within the park for centuries. According to the legend, the entity was a vengeful spirit that had been summoned to the park by ancient rituals and had taken on the form of a monstrous creature to terrorize the living. With a sense of dread gnawing at my gut, I realized that the unknown predator I had encountered was not just a wild animal, but a manifestation of the dark entity that had haunted the park for centuries. I knew I had to act fast to stop the entity from wreaking havoc on the park and its visitors. I armed myself with knowledge and weapons, and set out into the deep woods, determined to confront the entity and put an end to its reign of terror. The ensuing battle was like nothing I had ever experienced. The entity was powerful, but I was fueled by a mix of fear and determination, and I fought with all my might. In the end, I emerged victorious, having banished the entity back to the depths of the underworld from which it had come. As I emerged from the deep woods, I was greeted with cheers and applause from my fellow rangers. They had witnessed the battle and seen the dark entity vanish before their very eyes, and they were now believers in the supernatural power that lurked within the park. 
Although I was left with scars from my encounter, I felt a sense of pride and accomplishment. I had saved the park from the dark entity, and restored peace to the wilderness. And even now, as I continue to patrol the park, I am constantly vigilant, knowing that the unknown predator may return at any moment. I was driving home on an isolated road through a mountainous area. It was late and dark and I honestly couldn't have told you exactly where I was. All I knew was that I was in Tioga County, Pennsylvania and that I needed to stay on the road I was on until I finally left the state and hit my home territory in New York. I was in and out of a daydream state. You know how it is when you're exhausted and trying to push on. I was so exhausted that even the caffeine wasn't giving me what I needed and I was too cheap to spend the money on a hotel. However, when I was approaching a curve, this is where my story occurs. My headlights lit up something that looked like a person except almost double if not triple in size. I had to swerve to avoid it and I sure as hell woke up from that. I wasn't sure if I had clipped him or her but my car started sliding and went into a ditch. The first thing I did was get out to make sure that I hadn't just hit somebody. I was thinking why would there be somebody out here in the middle of nowhere wearing all black? There was no one around and was pretty sure that there had been somebody on the road, I was certain of it. My car was good and stuck. The tires wouldn't grip the mud. I didn't want to call for a tow truck but it was looking like my only option. I sat in my car and tried phoning out when I was sure I had seen movement. I was hoping it was someone willing to help me, but then thought it was just my exhaustion playing tricks on me. I shook my head wondering if it would be a good idea just to sleep right there in the ditch and wait for the tow truck. Then it started to rain, heavily. I was really tired and the sound of the rain wasn't helping me stay awake. Then the thoughts of sleep were suddenly gone when the driver's side window was blocked by the drenched furry body of something very large. It was walking on two legs but there was no way that this was a human. It stopped, then peered into the window. It was so ugly and evil looking that it's the only description that I feel is even appropriate. It was pointing its long wolf-like snout right at me and baring its teeth in a menacing grin like it was smiling at me as if it was happy that I was trapped in this little metal enclosure. Those long yellow fangs. The worst part was its eyes. There was no soul in them, but they had a supernatural glow. It then ran its claw on my window which made a scratching sound. It was so sadistic, so evil. It maintained a stare and a grin like it was letting me know that there was no way I can run. I then noticed another wolf-like creature come out from the downpour and then another. I don't know how many there were, but I was paralyzed with fear. It seemed like forever, though it was only a matter of seconds. But then they instantly disappeared. I looked around hoping that they were gone and then I wondered why they took off. I soon found out. A pickup truck pulled up behind me. The old man stepped out, walked up to my driver's side window, and volunteered to pull me out of the ditch. He looked at me and asked if I was alright. I didn't tell him what I had seen. He hooked a chain to my car and quickly pulled it out of the ditch. I thanked him profusely and offered to pay him for his trouble. He refused any payment. I then felt comfortable enough to tell him what had happened to me and that I had never seen anything like it before. After I described what I had seen he got a strange look on his face, 
almost like he had heard this before. I asked him questions, but he was very dismissive. I was positive that he was aware of the beasts. That was in November 2020. I'll never forget it. I can only imagine what may have happened to me if that old man had not come to my rescue. So to begin, this story happened back in 2018. I arrived in this small, rural town near Cape May. The company I was working for at the time was sending me out to go door to door, advertising cable and Wi-Fi that they wanted me to sell. I was getting weird vibes all throughout the day, as the town itself was very small and a bit creepy, with people staring at me or giving me the cold shoulder for the entire day. It seemed like a lot of the townsfolk that I encountered that day were on edge, and it was a weird tense atmosphere that I shrugged off, as people are weird all the time. I continued doing my job, chugging a Red Bull to keep me going, which didn't affect me at all surprisingly. Besides the weird atmosphere, the scenery was actually quite pretty once you got off of the main road. I had to stop at different streets, and some were in the woods on long and seemingly beautiful endless roads. It was quite scenic. Just before sunset, I was scheduled to visit a few houses on a small peninsula. To get to this peninsula you had to go down a very long road, past a summer camp area, past a trailer park, past the woods, and then you finally find yourself in a small open area with a bay marsh, a couple small expensive houses, and shore access. The houses were so close to the water it seemed to be a code violation, but I'm sure they were built to withstand storms since they looked so expensive. Every house had its own theme, and the area was mostly deserted. Only one house had someone inside, whom I had talked to after knocking on his door. I was so distracted looking at the houses and scenery that I didn't notice how fast sunset was approaching. I came to the realization that I should start heading back, to avoid being alone on that long deserted pathway in the woods. As a smaller female, I'm never comfortable after dark in isolated places, especially without cell service. I was making my way down the path, so far so good, as it wasn't completely dark yet. As I approached the wooded area of the road, I was walking a bit faster, since there were no street lights and the sunlight was rapidly disappearing. As I walked at a decently fast pace, I noticed something. The woods were eerily quiet. All the life that I was hearing before was gone. No crickets, no birds, just pure silence. I stopped in my tracks, and got chills down my spine as I felt the feeling that I was being watched. I looked around the dark woods for any sudden movements and then, like clockwork, something up ahead made its way out of the tree line. It looked to be some type of large animal. My brain went into overdrive analyzing whatever this animal was. Was it a bear? A dog? No. It looked like a large dog. But, dogs don't get this big. Though I was intimidated by its large size, whatever it was hadn't noticed me. Even though I was scared, I also didn't want to walk back and go into that one man's house. As a woman I would rather take my chances with a wild animal than be alone with a man I don't know in a deserted holiday neighborhood. Suddenly, as I was thinking this, the large animal in the distance had finally noticed my presence. It was observing me, not entirely sure of what to do with me. 
There wasn't enough light anymore for me to see the animal's face, but I felt unusually frightened. Whatever I was looking at was definitely too big to be a black bear, with a shoulder height of at least 5 feet on all fours, which is comparable in size to a brown bear. The mass on this creature was extensive, as the outline of what I could see looked like a wolf on steroids. It was very muscular. I also noticed that the outline of its face was very similar to that of a German shepherd or a wolf, as it had perked ears and a long snout. In the heat of the moment, I could only hear the sound of my heart palpitating as fear and adrenaline started to crawl its way into my bloodstream. It felt as if time stood still, and then it dawned on me. What I was looking at wasn't a normal animal, and it was simply too big to be any animal that I could recognize from New Jersey's catalogue of fauna. And, if it wanted to attack me, I would be powerless against it. It was simply too big. Though, to calm myself down, I threw the idea that this creature was out of the ordinary out because I felt like this could be rationalized somehow. I made my brain go back to the idea of this being maybe being a large dog or coyote. I also did not believe in cryptids, and was completely unaware of what size coyotes are supposed to be, so I made a quick decision. Realizing that this could very well be a life or death situation, I came to the conclusion that this very large dog-like creature was probably a skittish coyote that I could scare off, at least temporarily, to calm down my nerves. What other choice did I have? The longer I kept standing there, the more aggressive I might come across to this animal, and I didn't want it to get territorial or get the idea that I was easy prey. So, I decided I would make the most hideous, loud, confusing, and startling scream-slash-howl I could muster and just sprint the rest of the way. After I screeched this hideous sound out of my body as hard as I could, the animal quickly changed its body language to defensive, but then it quickly changed its mind to deciding I wasn't worth a fight as it ran a decent distance into the woods, not too far though. I decided to sprint as fast as I could pass that area and beyond. I sprinted until I reached the end of the road, and noticed there was a summer camp area with street lights near me. I rested on top of a table there, out of breath and feeling my heart pound out of my chest. However, I was still very shaken up and still felt like I was being watched. I kept my eyes on the tree line. My eyes were darting around, looking for any sign this animal was still there. Once I felt like the coast was clear, I located the next house I was scheduled to visit, and I quickly made my way over. I met a nice family who ended up buying cable from me, and I told them what had happened to me that night and how I was treated by the locals. The lady of the family who I presumed to be the mother said I don't know why they sent you out here alone. These woods are dangerous after dark, and there are creepy people who live around here. The impression she was giving me was that there were animal encounters she couldn't explain, and that there were lots of ex-convicts in the area, and people who should have been arrested but haven't been. She was equally concerned about the people as she was the animals around this place. This gave me goosebumps, how many times today could my life have been taken? They were extremely concerned for my safety and told me to contact my team leader so I could get picked up. They said they didn't want me to go outside again and that I should call it quits for the night and not make it to any other houses. Till this day, I still have no idea what creature I had encountered. There are strange things in the woods, 
Things people don't speak about or cover up. I felt like the townsfolk of that town knew something about what I encountered. So, weird creature I encountered in those woods, let's never meet again. I grew up on Pine Island in Lee County, Florida. I lived with my grandparents who always kept our dogs chained up outside at night. Late one night the dogs started barking uncontrollably. This was unusual behavior for them but not unheard of. My grandfather opened the front door and yelled at them to stop. Normally they would listen to him, but that night they just kept barking. The next morning as the sun came up my grandfather went outside. I ran out with him like I always did. There was a large pine tree that stood at the corner of our property. Beyond that was an empty lot. There were no other homes around our house, just canals, and swamps. My grandfather started walking out toward the tree and I was following behind. As we approached I looked up and saw what my grandfather was looking at. A huge limb was broken off. It was around 10 feet up and 6 to 8 inches round. In the sand under the tree were extremely large footprints that led down toward the canal. I trailed behind my grandfather as he followed them to the water. The strides between the footprints were around three feet. We followed the steps to where they walked into the canal. My grandfather was Native American. He looked at me and said if you don't bother them they won't bother you. I asked him who but he never said a word, he just turned around and walked back up to the house. Many years later I moved into a rural house and property in Lee County with my kids. I owned several acres of woods and swamp across the road. I was sitting outside on my porch late at night when I began to hear knocking sounds. I didn't think much about it. It would happen a few times a week. Then one early morning at around 3 a.m. I saw the silhouette of a large person standing on the edge of the woods across the road. I ran inside and grabbed my gun and a spotlight. But when I got back outside no one was there. My kids used to walk our dog along the dirt road in the evening. One night they came back and told me they saw a big monkey swinging from tree to tree. I just chalked it up to kids and their imaginations. Then I came across a video of a young Bigfoot swinging in the trees. I had my son look at the video and I asked him if this is what he saw. Yes sir he said. I started to research more about Bigfoot. But then I remembered what I saw with my grandfather when I was younger. It was like someone turned on a switch. I sat down with both of my kids and I had a talk with them. I told the kids not to talk about them and not to bother them. Then I repeated what my grandfather had told me all those years ago. If you don't bother them they won't bother you. After that, I sat almost every evening and listened to the wood knocking. I never felt like I was in danger or threatened in any way. Months later and late at night my lady friend was outside getting something out of her car. The next thing I knew she was honking her horn. I came running outside and she was crying hysterically. She told me something was in the woods shaking the branches and growling at her. I later found out that this lady friend was not a good person. I wondered if my friends in the woods sensed something was bad about her and were just watching out for me. It was back sometime in 2019, late in the year. One of my friends, whose name is Ted, saw something in the middle of the night. 
tired and feeling fatigued, he woke up, rolling out of his bed, to head to the bathroom, and then the kitchen for a late night snack. Whilst indulging in his snack, he began walking around his living room until he made his way to the back of the house window. It was on the second floor by the kitchen to which while staring outside at whatever. A sudden figure in his backyard caught his attention. The yard is huge, and nothing really in it aside from two trees. One of which has since rotted and fallen down. He noticed a bit past the since rotted tree was a figure with glowing reds, large snout, and standing at an approximate 7 to 8 feet tall, from seeing the creature reared up on its legs, and judging its size by how tall it appeared to be next to the tree. It also had jet black fur, as well as a muscular physique similar to Arnold back in the 80s, a long snout with very large perked ears similar to a German shepherd or wolf, and what looked to be antlers, or maybe that was just part of its long ears, he doesn't really know because it was very dark. The creature took a sniff, and looked directly at him. As his eyes met the gaze of the creature's eyes, he noticed that the eyes were a shade of blood red, the same color mentioned before. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. But also mentioned he'd seen so many weird things, and such that he wasn't really phased by it in the slightest. He knew what he was looking at was the real deal, and saw its breath in the cold night air. As the creature grunted, and bared its teeth, it also started growling at him. The growl wasn't that of any normal animal, but a deep primal guttural growl, nothing like he's ever heard before. The creature then took one last gaze at him, and ran off jumping the fence. He shortly afterwards returned to his room laying in his bed wondering what did he really see. He found it hard to fall back to sleep, but late unluckily did. He still wonders to this day if the creature will ever return, or if he will ever see it again. This encounter was not far away from where I live, but is absolutely horrifying to think about, because we live in the suburbs. To this day he still does not know what he really saw, and it can only be left up to whomever's imagination. This is a true story. About two years ago, my boyfriend at the time and I decided to go on a hike right before the sunset. Which yes, sounds dumb, but it's something we had done multiple times before with no issues. There was something about the eeriness of the woods at night that I liked, not so much my boyfriend thought. To start our hike, we had to go through really tall plants and bushes. We were practically in the middle of nowhere. About a mile into the hike we came across some abandoned structures and sat down to take a breather. I'm not sure exactly what my BF said to make me do this but as a joke, I whistled and said see nothing whistled back, we're alone. Not even 20 seconds after saying that, we heard a whistle. It was a bit of ways from us but still too close for our liking. We immediately starting booking it in the opposite direction of the whistle and didn't look back. After running for as long as we could, we realized we were lost. We wandered around for about 10 minutes before we stumbled across some train tracks that led back into town about a mile or two down the way. It's important to note that these tracks had thick woods lining both sides. The right side is where we came from. At this point, we were walking as we had run out of energy and felt safe. We were wrong to assume that we were safe. We got to the point where we could see the lights from town, 
maybe a quarter to half a mile away. Down the tracks a little bit, we could very faintly see the outline of what looked to be a deer coming out of the right side of the woods. It stopped in the middle of the tracks and just stood there. I attempted to shine my flashlight, note, this flashlight was pretty dim, it was a random one found in the back of the junk drawer, on it but as soon as I lifted my light up, it fled. Now I say fled because ran would not be an accurate way to describe the way it moved. The best way I can describe it is that it looked like it had four broken legs and its body was very low to the ground yet it had unbelievable speed. It almost looked like a, a bent and twisted monster out of a horror movie. I shined my light into the woods to left of us as that's where it had ran and when I did I saw two glowing eyes that looked to be at least 10 feet in the air. My boyfriend said what is that in a very concerned tone, I told him I don't know. Don't look at it, just run. We ran and ran until eventually we reached town and walked back home. This happened about two years ago and I've tried to come up with logical explanation after explanation of what I saw that night and still to this day I can never find a solid, logical answer other than it being something paranormal. I refused to believe what I had seen for a long time but I know what I saw and I know I'm not crazy as there was another person that witnessed the same thing as me. My BF never spoke of it again and refused to speak about it when I would talk about it. I never went hiking at night after that day. I remember opening my eyes and being in a very dark forest, I had nothing but a flashlight and was walking in a set direction that I had no explicable reason for doing so. I looked around and noticed there were other people very close by to me with flashlights and were also walking in the direction I was, from what I could infer. We seemed to be a search party of some sort. There were three other people besides me, an average looking couple that was composed of a man and a woman, and a grizzled looking veteran man who stayed behind us I assumed this was to make sure we didn't fall behind. This man reminded me a lot of William Bill Overbeck from the L4D video game. He struck me as the kind of person who was experienced and knowledgeable. Anyway, as we walked for a bit. I suddenly heard the veteran man yell out in horror from behind me, I turned around along with the couple, only to realize he was gone. The couple and I ran. I ran because in my head I was thinking, if the most experienced person just got taken by something. What the F was I going be able to do? As I ran I heard the woman scream behind me, tears were forming in my eyes, I didn't even look back this time, I just heard the man yell and run back after her only to hear him scream shortly afterward. I was terrified, remembering it clearly, tears in my eyes and seeing my own flashlight bob up and down as I tried to haul ass through this endless pitch black forest. Eventually, nothing happened, I felt as if I was running for a while. I was sick of it, whatever this thing was, it was behind me. I stopped in my tracks and took a deep breath. I turned around and shone my flashlight forwards. And there it was. This thing looked horrid, gangly, and pale slash gray. It had very long and thin arms, the worst part of this thing, was its face. It had these empty pits for eyes, just large black holes. Same thing with its mouth, just a gaping abyss. It just stared at me before it started making these horrid sounds. It sounded to me like it was trying to breathe but it was immensely labored or had an obstruction blocking its airway. 
The best way I can describe it, was like Satan crossed with a pug, trying to breathe and it was very loud too, I felt cornered but I was sick of running, I took a stance and raised my arms. I wanted to show this thing I wasn't scared. That's when it hit me. I couldn't move, I couldn't raise my arms. And this thing knew, it slowly methodically trudged to me, making those god-awful sounds, and stopped right beside my ear. I shut my eyes tightly and opened them again. It was gone. It is important to note, when I did this, it felt like I woke up, so I was confused as to why I was in a forest, hell I still had my flashlight. Only to hear the most blood-curdling scream imaginable coming from straight in front of me, and this thing burst straight from the thicket barreling towards me, arms outstretched towards me. Right as it was about to get me I woke up. I was hyperventilating, for some reason. I thought this thing was in my room, looming over my bed, watching me. It was only when I felt my dog beside me, I calmed down immensely and fell back asleep, I woke up the next morning. When I was a teenager in Kentucky there was a hiking spot about 30-40 minutes out of town named Indian Falls. When it would rain it would be an awesome series of waterfalls going about 150 yards in length dropping about 200 or so feet along the way. We would park along the road that led to the trail where there was a very long drop of around 300 feet or so. The trail led down to the waterfall where most of the time it was very dry and polluted with large junk like a refrigerator and an old car that has been swept down with heavy rain. It was also a hangout spot that kids would leave beer cans and spray their initials on the hollowed out recesses along the cliff walls. Though it was never occupied any time I visited. At the very bottom was a pasture. One of my friends and I hiked down to the bottom one day because he thought he might find some random growing marijuana. I knew if we found anything growing we'd best stay the f away from it because growers can stake rattlesnakes close to patches or set up shotgun traps. We eventually headed in the direction of the road and found that it connected at the bottom so we didn't have to climb up the waterfall to get back to the path. As we were walking on the road back to the car and it came into view I could see something on it that I couldn't make out. When we got closer I could see a cloud of flies hovering over a dark shape. Finally when I was 50 feet from the car I could tell what it was. Someone had left the head of a deer on the hood of my car blood and tendons and everything. Like it was in their truck and they stopped to decapitate it and leave it on my trunk. I took it as a message to stay the hell away and I've never been back. I worked at the North Rim Lodge in 2015 at the Grand Canyon. The first day I got there I was told the reason why the transept trail was roped off was because a teenage girl had leapt to her death on a family vacation while they were walking to the lodge. That same week, a co-worker of mine went down to Phantom Ranch on a full-day hike with some other new hires. They ran into a grown man having a heat stroke. She Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tried to help him and he died in her arms. His brother watched it happen. Two adult men who hiked A or tour annually. The girl had a breakdown a few days later and went back to Ohio. Hope you are doing okay, Steph. That same summer we used to camp at Marble View Point. There was a Cairn-type tribute with a box of a man's last memories of his wife who had fallen on a trip with her friends a couple years prior. Bunch of pictures and stories in a metal lunchbox pretty much. So beautiful. They got married at that viewpoint several years prior. It was encouraged that you leave a little note in the log book sharing your experience with Marble View so that he could come back and read them while visiting the spot. One night me and like five co-workers are camping there and we checked the box like we always did. The next morning the site was destroyed. Couple hundred rocks at least were just gone. Not scattered around either, but thrown over the edge or just removed entirely. It was like the monument was never even there. The box was gone too. Can't imagine when it happened or who did it. But there were only like two other families camping there and we talked to everyone and they all said they were in their tents the whole night. Really sad shit. I hope whoever trashed the place had some remorse and tried to return the box somehow. I've been working in national parks for years now at various concessionaires and lodges, and it is one tragic story after another of death and sadness and shit. Every single year there are new people that are lost or murdered or die because of a drunken mistake. I could literally tell stories I've been told or witnessed, for hours. My best friend told me yesterday that I should write down my experiences so that I don't forget them. There's some serious gems, maybe he's right. This didn't happen to me. It happened to my parents. My parents were hiking in an area called the Brecon Beacons, UK which is known for its waterfalls but also is one of the most dangerous areas to walk in the UK due to its unpredictable weather and treacherous terrain. My parents were walking along a path that ran parallel to the edge of a cliff. A man and his stepson were coming towards them from the other direction pushing their bikes. My parents moved against the cliff wall in order to let them pass. As the boy was walking past his tire slipped on the wet ground and his bike pulled him off the edge of the cliff. He fell maybe 50 feet and hit his head on the rocks below which killed him instantly. The boy was maybe 12 or 13 according to my parents. My mum struggles to speak about it now and it happened nearly 30 years ago. Years ago. My buddy and I decided to go on a backpacking trip using historical gear. After months of careful preparation, we dressed up like Vikings and went into the woods. We had a great time, but ended up not being able to camp because the mosquitoes were so bad. Still, fun little adventure. The place we chose was a popular trail and we must have passed dozens of other hikers, including some kind of youth group. We'd smile and wave and people would say hi back, or sometimes do a double take or just stare. When I look at it from their perspective, it must have been weird as f, you come around a corner and here are two people in wool and leather, blanket rolls slung over their backs, axes and knives on their belts, just casually out for a little stroll. 
One person asked if we were mushroom hunting, no one else commented on or questioned what we were up to. Probably because of the axes, in retrospect, toward the end of the hike I fell way behind my friend, I was too out of shape and my feet were killing me. I imagine that was even weirder to encounter, two costumed weirdos together are very different than one costumed weirdo and then another one about 20 minutes later. New to hiking. Found this trail in Griffith Park, Los Angeles that I have been going to for months. I love that I rarely pass people. I'm a loner so it's heaven for me. This trail is not overpacked, and this is Los Angeles, so that's unusual. On this evening I did pass a couple who were talking to their little boy about the cat up in the hill. I come to the conclusion that they must be talking about coyotes, I see them all the time. I take a few steps in the direction I'm heading and look to the side of the mountain, and there I see the most famous mountain lion in Los Angeles, P-22. I am in awe of such a beautiful creature. I really can't believe what I'm seeing. I stand and watch him weave through the shrubs on side of mountain so easily camouflaging with the mountain. At one point he turns and looks at me directly in the eyes, and this is when I snap back to reality and the fear runs through my body. I keep eye contact and wave my arms, as I've been told to do when one encounters a mountain lion. I see him disappear in the mountainside. I typically try to avoid other humans on the trail, but this time I wished to encounter someone else so bad. The trail was lonely as ever. I walked down the mountain so fast. Next day I called the park rangers who confirmed this way in fact P-22 hanging out in his usual spot. They're tracking him and so far, in the many years he's been living in this park, he has never been a danger to the public. Nevertheless this is an experience I will never forget. I grew up in Park City, Utah and hiked all the mountains there as a kid. Knew my bearings, what plants I could eat, what to stay away from and had good common sense to stay away from ridges, old mining caves and shit. Few years later in 1980 I was at the YMCA Camp Rogers Summer Camp in Camas, Utah. Our camp leader, we were all in groups, took us on an overnight hike. He got us lost and this was when there were no cell phones. We hiked and spent another night where it rained on us so no fire. We hiked the entire next day and were exhausted, ran out of water and food. When we hiked over a side ridge, I immediately recognized the place because I had been there as a preteen cutting firewood with my foster dad. I knew where water was and a road, so I told the camp leader I knew exactly where we were and I'm heading that direction. At first he completely refused to believe me, so I said F him and began hiking towards where I knew the road was and water, and eventually most of the kids followed me. Within a half hour I had us all out of there on a road and flagged down a camper. I was 12 at the time. A year later, another dumbass YMC a camp leader led a group of boys up on top of a ridge where they jumped from one rock to another rock, lower with a gap, and realized they couldn't jump back. They all had to be rescued. F that camp. When I was in high school I was a member of a volunteer search and rescue team. We would get called out, mostly on weekends in the summer, 
to help hikers who had been injured or gotten lost on one of the hundreds of trails in our county. It was very intense, but I really enjoyed being able to use my wilderness skills to help people out. One morning, we got a call at about 4 a.m. to go and search for a small plane that had crashed into a mountain during a night flight. I was about 16 and got excused from days of school for doing volunteer work, so I jumped out of bed and drove over to the mountain. We found the plane after about three hours of searching by tracking a transponder signal. My team was second on site and they wouldn't let me near the plane because I was a minor, but I watched as they pulled the victims pretty heavily mangled bodies out of the cabin of the plane. All three had been killed on impact, and in the darkness probably hadn't known they were about to hit the mountain. We ended up loading the victims into litters, basically fiberglass stretchers with a bike wheel attached to the bottom, and hauling them down the mountain on foot because, due to tree cover, we weren't able to get the helivac chopper close enough for an air extraction. I ended up carrying two of the victims down the mountain, and had to throw my leather work gloves away afterward because the victim's blood had soaked through the body bag and gotten on my hands. On this particular trail, the beginning of the hike is about a half mile of steep, rocky terrain. Rather than bringing the first victim all the way to the trailhead for extract, we stashed them in a bush off the trail before the steep part and then went back for the other person. A lot of people had to go to therapy after that particular mission, I more just thought the whole experience was very surreal. I think the things that stuck with me the most were the coping mechanisms we used to handle the situation while we were working. We were making little jokes like oh his head's leaking. Punch that elbow back in, it's sticking out. While we were carrying the bodies down. Personally, I'm just grateful that I didn't walk away from that experience with any trauma and I will never get on a small plane and fly around in a mountainous area at night. Me and a friend just returned from Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. The people there already gave us a strange sense that there were eyes bearing down on us at all times, but this part cemented the weirdness to me. We were hiking to reach Miners Falls. The day was mostly cloudy and the trail had incredibly low foot traffic considering it was the off-season. We walked fast, so we managed to catch up with a family of four farther along the trail. We walk up on the left to pass them, but the minute they were aware of us, they all froze in place as though they were in a trance. We passed them, and in my peripheral I saw their eyes staring straight forward with dull apathy, their motionless bodies standing single file with each set of hands resting on the shoulders in front of it, and not a single sound to be made, nor a facial expression to be found, which is weird when you could make out distinct conversation and emotion beforehand. Anyway, we continue traipsing along the trail paranoid, but eventually we make it to the waterfall. We turn around and see the same group of people heading towards us, but this time they greeted us formally as if none of that had even happened. Big nope, we finished the hike, but not without feeling like we were gonna get abducted by a cult. Also, me and my friend are very heavy-footed, so I'm confident we didn't accidentally sneak up on them. I'm really not into hiking because I'm a very cautious person and I do my best to keep my friends out of trouble but that's where my issue was. 
I ended up going with my friends along this trail so I could keep them from doing irrational, impulsive things. Anyhow, come to a crossing where there was a rope bridge. Major no-no in my books but my friends insisted upon crossing. I told them to pick up this small granite boulder and chuck it on the bridge to prove my point. They did it and it didn't collapse so they started crossing. Unfortunately I was the last one to cross and when I was about three-fourth way across the bridge it collapsed and I fell about twenty-something feet. I was crazy lucky because I had offered to take most of my friends sleeping bags and I had strapped them all over me to carry them comfortably because they are much stronger than I am. I landed and blacked out, but I managed with only five broken ribs and a dislocated shoulder as well as a small hairline fracture in my radius. The worst part for me though was all of the animal carcasses at the bottom of the crevasse. I was just starting my vet studies at the time and the mutilated bodies were so grim. They were the first things I saw when I woke up and some of them were fresh. My legs landed on a dog and there was a fawn a few meters away from my face. I was so sore and couldn't move because I was afraid that I might have been paralyzed and all I could do was cry. My best friend heard me and shouted down and I tried to scream to him. Thank God that rescue was called almost immediately and I was lifted out. It's safe to say that my friends now take my intuition as law. I lived in New York around the time that Ralph Bucky Phillips was on the run. He was a fugitive who had killed at least one police officer. At any rate, I was out for a hike near my old farmhouse, and came across a recently vacated campsite. It still had recently purchased canned goods, tent and sleeping bag, though nobody was around. I get stupidly fearless when I should know better sometimes, and peered into the tent, but there was nobody around as far as I could see. I got the creep strongly, and headed back, not going directly home, zigzagging in case I was being followed. Whether or not it was him, odds are, it was probably just some squatter who was hiding from me themselves, not wanting to get caught on private land, it was still horrifying to have it slowly dawn on me that I was alone in what was basically somebody's home, and they could do whatever they wanted to about that. Another time, different place, my friend and I were exploring some disused and abandoned underground mines in our state. The way it is set up, you have to pass through a main room, when you first go in, it is sort of open to the outside, but also sheltered, if that makes sense. It branches out into several veins that go underground, and become pitch black, totally 0% visibility in there without a flashlight. So, we chose the usual route, we had been in there several times already, and had a usual route, lol, and explored for a few hours. It became time to head back, we reached the main room, and there is a fresh, large pile of human feces right in our path to get out. It was most definitely not there when we entered, and we remained close together at all times, so I knew that my friend hadn't done the shit. We had to really stretch to avoid stepping in it, we managed to avoid it totally, but how disgusting, and as we passed the stone hallway that led to another branch of the mine, we saw some sort of light, way down there, where it opens into a larger, totally black room. My guess is that we interrupted a squatter, who did not want to be seen but also did not want to just allow some twenty-something weirdos to traipse all around their territory, and they took the shit to make a statement. 
We actually called out hey, if someone hears this and is staying here, we meant no harm, and didn't do anything to destroy your home because we are considerate like that. My boyfriend and I went on a night hike a few months ago on a nature trail about 20 minutes from where we live. We've both been several times during the day, and he'd been at night a handful of times prior so it's an area we're familiar with. It's a fairly easy trail. From the parking lot is a 50 feet walk to a small picnic bathroom area where the trail splits into two paths. Path 1 loops around a little before going back to the parking lot. Path 2 loops around slash across a large pond and is about 2.5 miles total before coming back to the picnic area. We took the second path. We unintentionally ended up off the trail. There was a section of the path that had become slightly flooded muddy that we opted to walk on the edge of the path around it instead of going through. During this, while negotiating around over a couple of rocks, we ended up off the trail. As soon as we lost the trail the feeling of being watched hit us both. Fortunately we had enough knowledge of the area to know that if we kept in a relatively straight line we would hit one of three things. Road, houses, or pond. We could figure out where we were much easier from there, and as it's a small area wouldn't take more than a few hours. Yes, the safest option would have probably been to stay put but the increasing feeling of being not just watched but followed over road that. It didn't help that we kept hearing rustling and he would occasionally see something glowing when he shone his phone's flashlight over the trees slash bushes. So we walked straight until we eventually reached. The parking lot? Somehow, someway, we ended up getting so turned around that we ended up right back where we started. We backtracked to the picnic area to sign out. Flipped to the correct page, grabbed the pencil, turned my phone screen on to check the time and stopped dead when we realized it was the next day. No, not as in it had passed midnight. It was about 30 minutes after we'd left plus 24 hours. I had 18 missed calls asking where I was, 12 of which were from concerned co-workers wanting to know if I was okay. Needless to say, we haven't gone on night hikes since. For those of you wondering, we only went on that one because I'd expressed disappointment about not being able to see a celestial event, partial lunar eclipse plus Saturn and Mars visible. From my house. The plan was to hike out to the middle of the pond where it was clear so I could see the sky without obstructions. I once did an 8 plus hour hike in the Blue Mountains, NSW, Australia, when about halfway through a rain thunderstorm started. We were taking shelter under some low bushes to put on rain covers over our bags and equipment. While squatting I was eating a sandwich and out of nowhere two ladies half ran past us on the trail. In passing they mumbled something about leeches, but couldn't really understand what they said. The ladies were just out of sight when I saw the first leech crawling its way towards me. They kind of move by balancing on their heads and tipping their tail over, arching. And they move fast. There were so many of them. We were prepared for a good hike, with long trousers, hiking boots, high socks. But I lost count, pulling leeches of every body part. In my shoes, all over my legs and some higher on my torso. Slippery bastards too. 
you need to really pinch hard to be able to pull them off. Suffice to say, the last three hours of hike were done at lightning fast speed, only stopping to remove leeches, to then find us stuck about 30 minutes before reaching the car. A gentle stream we had passed hours before, has turned into a raging wild river several meters wider than before. Long story short, we made it across, with some swimming and even more leeches. I do remember the count back at the car, we stripped out our hiking clothes and pulled another 16 leeches off between the two of us. For me, seeing the ground before you littered with moving leeches was by far the most messed up thing I've seen. I used to do a lot of rock climbing in the Sierra Nevadas. My climbing partner and I also liked to cave and just roam, check out whatever we found. We were hiking and climbing below the giant bridge in Northern California everyone base jumps from. Below it we found an abandoned mine with a concrete plug in the main entrance, but we found a path going up the hill a bit and followed it. We found an air shaft that had been opened. So we did our normal, got ropes set up and lowered ourselves in. We had headlamps and were armed, we weren't worried. We went down the tunnels checking random stuff out for 15 to 20 minutes or so, no big deal. It was pretty neat. Then it was a big deal, and not neat. We found a door cut in the rock that led to a small chamber, like 15 by 15 or something like that. The entire room was painted gold with weird symbols everywhere. There was a center rock pedestal exactly like an altar which had symbols painted on it as well. Circles with lines through them and dots, just weird symbols, nothing I could tie to any religion I'm aware of. There was dried blood everywhere. It dries like a brownish red and it was everywhere. On the stone in the center, all over the walls, everywhere. The room was completely clean otherwise, no rock rubble, trash, paint cans, nothing. Like it had been swept. We looked at each other, said OF oh, no, and got the F out of there. We tried to tell the authorities but they either didn't believe us or they didn't want to go down there. We never went back. I was hiking in the Wind River Mountains and came across two creeps scaring a young college girl to tears. She was doing stream samples for some study, alone, and they happened along and started harassing her. They told Hay she couldn't leave until she showed them something. Despite not having any signal, I told them I was on the phone with the ranger's office, and I also had my .45 visible on my hip, and I escorted her out of there, back down the trail, and back to her car, looking over my shoulder the whole time. Once she was safe and I got signal, I did call the ranger's office and local police and told them what happened. I was camping with my buddy and we pulled into a campsite in the middle of nowhere. For some reason there was an oil painting of a woman at this campsite. Thought that was weird but whatever it's the woods right? We go to bed that night in the bed of my truck. At some point my buddy wakes halfway up and goes what the f is that? I, thinking it was just an animal or something, tell him to stfu and go back to sleep. Next morning we wake up and there are small barefoot footprints all around our camp. Like a small girl or child had wandered up to the window I TK the cab of my truck. All around camp. 
and left. And I know they showed up that night because they were over my tire marks in the dirt. As we snoop around camp we notice drag marks in the dirt. Try to follow them but they eventually disappear. WHO the F was snooping around my camp at all hours of the night? I got baked off my face on a hike in Palm Springs. Made a wrong turn on the descent and wound up going down a much steeper part of the mountain. As I know to always keep my head on a swivel out in nature I was on high alert. Looking up roughly 100 yards or meters away thing big head pokes out and it's a mountain lion. I immediately thought, oh this is where I die. Then some of the Dave Attenborough nature specials I watched kicked in. They are typically skittish unless they perceive you as prey. So I made myself bigger with my arms up, growling as I continued to go down the mountain. It just kept moving side to side observing me. I watched it every two steps I took. Eventually it gave up on me and I was able to will myself down. Going in the ADK, couple of peaks, forget when, other than during active bear season. When settling down for the evening slash night, another hiker was camped about 100 feet from me. I was looking at him go, cooking salmon sitting in his tent entrance, brushing his teeth and spitting it out on his tent's doorstep, along with the cooking leftover liquids, left food out, etc. I'm being cautious and putting stuff away, like 200 feet away from my tent. We chat and tell him about bear prevention, blah blah blah. Middle of the night, bear noises and growls and screaming, and the whole nine yards. Everything clams down and I go back to sleep. In the morning, the other guy had barely slept, his tent was torn apart. Had a surprise visit overnight. So I was camping with about five friends at this lake on the first night on a backpacking trip. There was a different group of backpackers camping across the lake. When night fell my group went to bed rather early while the group across the lake was being loud and having themselves a good time. About an hour later right as I was nodding off a gunshot went off really close to our camp. Within 100 feet. It was a pitch black moonless light. We all stuck our heads out from our tents saying what the hell was that? while looking for flashlight from the person who did it and listening for noises. We never saw the light or heard anything. The group across the lake immediately stopped being loud and went to be bed ASAP probably thinking it was our way of telling them to shut up. We never found out who shot the gun. Not disturbing per se, but left me feeling uneasy my boyfriend and I were coming down the peak of a day-long mountain hike when we passed a group of young girls going up towards the summit. We make it further down the trail as the sun is starting to set and the chill is setting in and we start to get nervous thinking about them and how unprepared they looked, yoga pants and crop tops, no warm clothes or backpacks. I was in terrible shape so when when we finally got back to the parking lot late into the evening, there was just our car and one other car left, which we assume had to be theirs. The next morning we have a bad feeling and a sense of guilt and we go back to the parking lot and see that the same car is still there. My boyfriend calls the rangers and lets them know the whole story and describe the girls. 
they honestly didn't seem very concerned and we never heard any more info after that. I still worry about those girls and hope they are okay. I walked down a random trail near another more well-known trail system called the Shed Pond Loop, in Maine. I came across this custom-made sign that gave me some Stephen King vibes, hand-painted, almost childlike in appearance, that said, Dad's Way. I followed it and there were pretty much zero markings and it was almost entirely overgrown. Zero sounds of animals, like very eerily quiet and claustrophobic feeling the entire time. Turned around to bail when I kept seeing movement that I thought were bikers, but upon closer inspection it was just more dense woods, meaning no trail and no possible way bikers would be out there. When I turned around to bail, no sign of the trail I had been following. Followed one direction that I was certain would take me out to a road, so at this point I'm trudging through dense woods. In the middle of this random area, I come across a chair with a tree growing through it, and a few very old glass beer bottles next to it. No trail, no clearings, just in the middle of these woods. Walked faster and made it out finally, but the whole thing felt so surreal. Hiked all day to Summit Mountain Washington in the Cascades, only to come 25 feet from a mountain goat and his kid at the peak. We booked it until we felt like we had made it a safe distance. Looked up and there he was staring into our souls with those damn goat eyes, kid between his legs. Stalked us the whole way down the mountain, doesn't help that we all smelled like salty sweat from hiking all day. Honestly thought I was going to get rammed off the mountain that day. Walking the property I was a caretaker of. Saw a car that was very out of the ordinary and I didn't recognize on the land. The land is a good mile and half down some not so very friendly roads and behind a locked gate, which freaked me out a bit. I'm inspecting the car a bit and this man comes lumbering at me wielding a rifle in near pitch black conditions and says he's gonna shoot if I don't e-plane myself. I have to calmly explain him he's trespassing and I'll call the cops if he doesn't leave right away. He apologized for the mix-up since he thought he was on the neighbor's land. But of course this is after I had a hunting rifle aimed at my skull on land he wasn't welcome on. I was hiking in Florida, just trail blazing through a wildlife corridor close to Peace River when I was 18 and I came across a dead wild hog. It looked like something had ripped it apart. Throat ripped, marks all along its sides and gut spread out. In the corner of my eyes I saw a bit of tawny fur and the soft sound of something heavy moving quietly. I realized I walked into a Florida panther eating its meal and how bad the situation was. At the time all I used to carry was a knife. Nowadays I carry a handgun for protection. Anyways I keep the big cat in view as best as I can and start making my way out of the game trail I had followed so I could get back to my truck. The panther followed me for about 10 minutes and the whole time I felt like running but I knew it would try to pounce me if I did. So I had to constantly look in its direction and keep track of it while barely seeing it in the wood line. I never felt so small in my life. 